Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Happy Christmas Eve, everyone, and happy Christmas Eve to you, Amelia. Happy Christmas Eve to you, too. You know, it's one of my favorite days of the year. How about you? Uh, I think I like Christmas Day. You do? Why? Because mm-hmm. you get a lot of presents and, oh. you, you know. I like the anticipation. I don't because I can't sleep. Okay. Over the Top Cycling, Snowbound, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas with... Amelia. We're doing our annual Christmas stories, which we started four years ago when Amelia was five. And this year we are dedicating these stories to the U.S. ski team and uh, all of those who are away from their homes. Uh, The U.S. Nordic team, U.S. Alpine team, and Ian Boswell of Team Sky, who's spending uh, his first Christmas away from any family this year. So please sit back and enjoy as Amelia and I will read How the Grinch Stole Christmas followed by The Polar Express and then we're going to end co-reading your favorite uh, Findus at Christmas. And a lot of you may have never heard of Findus at Christmas but it's pretty cute. So let's get started with How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. Could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. Could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, as hard as his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's, staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town, for he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath, and they're hanging their stocking he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow, he knew all the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early. They'd rush for their toys. And then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated. The noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's, young and old, 
would sit down to a feast and they'd feast and they'd feast and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on who pudding and rare who roast beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. And they'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for fifty-three years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? And he got an idea. An awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat, and he chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around. But since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the old Grinch? No. The Grinch simply said, If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max. Then he took some red thread, and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, Get up! And the sleigh started down toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. All their windows were dark. Quiet snow filled the air. All the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care. When he came to the first little house on the square, This is stop number one. The old Grinchy Claws hissed, and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch. But if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once, for a moment or two. Then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little Who's stockings all hung in a row. These stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. Then he slithered and slunk, with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present, pop-guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorn, and plums, and he stuffed them in bags, and the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimney. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's Feast. He took the Who Pudding. He took the Roast Beast. He cleaned out that icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took their last can of hoo-hash. He stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree, and he started to shove, when he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast, and he saw a small hoo, little Cindy Lou hoo, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He 
He thought up a lie, and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied, there's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there, then I'll bring it back here. And it's Pibboob, the child. And he patted her head, and he got her a drink and sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. And the last thing he took was the log for their fire. And he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their walls he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing to the other Who's houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the other Who's mouses. It was quarter past dawn, all the Who's still abed, all the Who's still a snooze, when he packed up his sled, packed it up with their presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags and the tinsel, the trimmings, the trappings. Three thousand feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was grinchishly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused. And the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, and it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing, without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours, till his puzzler was sore, and the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast feast. How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. I love that one. Which one's next? Polar Express. Yes, the Polar Express. This one definitely going out to Ian Boswell. Polar Express by Chris Van Allsburg. On Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently, 
I was listening for a sound, a sound a friend had told me I'd never hear, the ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. There is no Santa, my friend had insisted, but I knew he was wrong. Late that night I did hear sounds, though not of ringing bells. From outside came the sounds of hissing steam and squeaking metal. I looked through my window and saw a train standing perfectly still in front of my house. It was wrapped in an apron of steam. Snowflakes fell lightly around it. A conductor stood at the open door of one of the cars. He took a large pocket watch from his vest, then looked up at my window. I put on my slippers and robe. I tiptoed downstairs and out the door. All aboard, the conductor cried out. I ran up to him. Well, he said, are you coming? Where? I asked. Why, to the North Pole, of course, was his answer. This is the Polar Express. I took his outstretched hand, and he pulled me aboard. The train was filled with other children, all in their pajamas and nightgowns. We sang Christmas carols and ate candies with nougat centers as white as snow. We drank hot cocoa as thick and rich as melted chocolate bars. Outside, the lights of towns and villages flickered in the distance as the Polar Express raced northward. Soon there were no more lights to be seen. We traveled through cold, dark forests where lean wolves roamed and white-tailed rabbits hid from our train as it thundered through the quiet wilderness. We climbed mountains so high it seemed as if we would scrape the moon, but the Polar Express never slowed down. Faster and faster we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. The mountains turned into hills, the hills to snow-covered plains. We crossed a barren desert of ice, the great polar ice cap. Lights appeared in the distance. They looked like the lights of a strange ocean liner sailing on a frozen sea. There, said the conductor, is the North Pole. The North Pole. It was a huge city standing alone at the top of the world, filled with factories where every Christmas toy was made. First we saw no elves. They're gathering at the center of the city, the conductor told us. That is where Santa will give the first gift at Christmas. Who receives the first gift? we all asked. The conductor answered, he'll choose one of you. Look, shouted one of the children, the elves! Outside we saw hundreds of elves as our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole. We slowed to a crawl. So crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. When the Polar Express could go no farther, we stopped and the conductor led us outside. We pressed through the crowd to the edge of a large open circle. In front of us stood Santa's sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They pranced and paced, ringing the silver sleigh bells that hung from their harnesses. It was a magical sound, like nothing I'd ever heard. Across the circle, the elves moved apart, and Santa Claus appeared. The elves cheered wildly. He marched over to us and, pointing to me, said, Let's have this fellow here. He jumped onto his sleigh. The conductor handed me up. I sat on Santa's knee, and he asked, Now, what would you like for Christmas? I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine. But the thing I wanted most for Christmas was not inside Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. 
When I asked, Santa smiled. Then he gave me a hug and told an elf to cut a bell from a reindeer's harness. The elf tossed it up to Santa. He stood holding the bell high above him and called out, The first gift of Christmas! A clock struck midnight as the elves roared their approval. <coughs> Santa handed the bell to me. I put it in my bathrobe pocket. The conductor helped me down from the sleigh. Santa shouted out the reindeer's names and cracked his whip. His team charged forward and climbed into the air. Santa circled once above us and disappeared in the cold, dark polar sky. As soon as we were back inside the Polar Express, the other children asked to see the bell. I reached into my pocket, but the only thing I felt was a hole. I had lost the silver bell from Santa Claus's sleigh. Let's hurry outside and look for it, one of the children said. But the train gave a sudden lurch and started moving. We were on our way home. It broke my heart to lose that bell. When the train reached my house, I sadly left the other children. I stood at my doorway and waved goodbye. The conductor said something from the moving train, but I couldn't hear him. What? I yelled out. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Merry Christmas! He shouted. The Polar Express let out a loud blast from its whistle and sped away. On Christmas morning, my little sister Sarah and I opened our presents. When it looked as if everything had been unwrapped, Sarah found one last small box behind the tree. It had my name on it. Inside was the silver bell. There was a note. Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket. Signed, Mr. C. I shook the bell. It made the most beautiful sound my sister and I had ever heard. But my mother said, Oh, that's too bad. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Yes, said my father. It's broken. When I'd shaken the bell, my parents had not heard a sound. At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe. All right, Amelia, what's next? Findus at Christmas by Sven Nordquist. Now, for those of you who have never heard of Findus, we'll just give you a little background on this story. It's the day before Christmas Eve, so it's Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah. 
and uh, Petson, who is an older man who has a kitten. He's talking to his cat, Findus. They have lots to do, but disaster strikes when Petson sprains his ankle. How can they celebrate Christmas now with no tree, ham, meatballs, or gingerbread? For all their resourcefulness, Findus and Petson are close to giving up, when suddenly there is a knock on the door. Wonderful tale of kindness, sharing, and how Christmas can bring out the best in people. And cats, of course. So, let's get started. All right. The role of Findus is being played by Amelia Thomas. <laughs> Milder weather at last. For days, Petson had meant to go shopping, but it had been so cold he'd hardly dared stick his nose out of the door. It was the day before Christmas Eve, and barely a crumb was left in the cottage. Today was really the last chance to buy the Christmas food and fell the Christmas tree and bake the gingerbread and fix everything that needed to be fixed for Christmas. Findus, the cat, had just found the Christmas tree stand. Now he stood at the door with his nose in the crack and waited for the old man to open. Come on, Petson, he called. Let's go get the tree. They had already chosen a fine little tree in the forest weeks ago, but it was a long way to go. That can wait, said Petson. We should get to the shop first and buy Christmas food. But first I'm going to shovel snow. They went outside, and Petson cleared paths to the hen house and the tool shed and the outside loo and the woodshed. We can gather some fir branches to spread on the doorstep while we're at it, said the old man. You coming, Findus? If I get to ride. He was already at the woodshed where the axe and the sled were kept. With the cat in tow, Petson plodded up the hillside behind the tool shed. Here and there he cut some fir branches and laid them on the sled. When it was full, they turned to go back down again. But all of a sudden, Petson slipped on a stone. The sled flew forwards and hit the old man in the back of his knees so that he fell back on the branches. Gathering speed down the slope, the sled hurtled straight into the stone wall and tipped over. The cat was thrilled and whooped. Again! But the old man didn't find it quite so amusing. Moaning and groaning, he struggled up out of the snow. Oh, oh, ah, he cried. I'm hurt. I can't stand on my foot. He whimpered and wailed and said a whole lot of words you're not meant to. The cat was dumbfounded. You mustn't swear the day before Christmas Eve, was all he could think of saying. Patson managed to drag himself into the kitchen where he sat down to examine his foot. What rotten luck. I hope it gets better before closing time so we can buy our Christmas food, he sighed. And to think we had so much to do. Cut the tree and scrub the kitchen floor and... Yes, I'll do that, the cat yelled. In the blink of an eye, he whipped out the mop, bucket, and brush. Mmm, the old man was doubtful. He remembered what had happened last time. All right, just this once, but promise you'll dry up properly afterwards. Yes, the cat promised. Lots of water. Petson poured warm water from the pan on the stove and added a lump of soap. Let me get out of the way first, he said, hopping as fast as he could onto the kitchen sofa. No sooner had he lifted his feet than water came slooshing across the kitchen floor. Findus had kicked the bucket over, 
and using the scrubbing brush as his surfboard, he spurted over Kitchen Bay. He was a great scrubbing brush surfer. Gliding on one leg and on his front paws, he zigzagged between the chair legs, making waves that flowed all the way to the kitchen door. Five minutes later, he was exhausted. All done now, he panted, flopping into a chair. Oh, no, you're not, little fella. Far from it, said Petson. This time you have to dry up after yourself as well. I can't with this foot. Do it on your knees or something. I'm so tired. I'm only a little cat after all. Endis complained. Well, boo-hoo for you, Petson said. The cloth is under the kitchen sink. When you're finished, we'll bake gingerbread. It was nearly dark when Findus tossed the cloth to the floor and hopped up on the table. Finished! Hey, wake up! It's gingerbread time! He cried. Petson was nodding off on the sofa. They had made gingerbread biscuits the week before. The biscuits were all gone, but half the dough was saved in the larder. Or so Petson thought. But when he looked in the bowl, only a tiny blob was left. Well, I never. It shrunk, said Petson. Yes, Doe's odd like that, Finda said. It just vanishes. Maybe a cat's been and had a nibble, Petson wondered. Maybe, said the cat. Or an old man, perhaps? It's possible, said the old man. Petson rolled out what little was left anyway. Findus cut out the biscuits and ate the in-between bits. It was almost enough to fill a baking tray. Then they drank coffee and ate the gingerbread biscuits. Silently, they sat and watched their reflections in the window against the darkness outside. It can get this quiet when things don't turn out the way you expect. Normally, on the day before Christmas Eve, they had such fun with all their Christmas preparations, baking, cooking, and tidying up, and now all they could do was sit and wait for Petson's foot to stop hurting. I don't think we can get to the shop today, and it's closed tomorrow. So much for Christmas food, said Petson gloomily. What do you mean? Findus squeaked. No Christmas food? No porridge? No ham? No lutefisk? Not a single teeny tiny sausage? Nope, but we'll manage. We can have eggs now, and ham at Easter instead. And we've got potatoes and carrots and a can of sardines. Carrots on Christmas Eve? Yuck! Findus groaned. Keep your fur on, said Petson. It could be worse. You'll still get your Christmas present. Finda stopped his groaning and stared at him. What is it? He hissed. You'll find out tomorrow, Petson said. Now, to make a big Christmas parcel out of this foot and go to bed. He pulled two thick warm socks on over his foot and a woolly sweater, then bound it up in a big pair of long johns and tied it all up with a string. It was quite a parcel. Now he looked really ill. The old man went to bed. Findus sat on his own, watching the snowflakes. Was this really the day before Christmas Eve? It's the worst ever day before day, he thought. Worse even than a boring, rotten Tuesday. But he'll get his pr Christmas present no matter what. Findus ran to fetch Petson's present and wrapped it in a tea towel and tied it with string. It was a potato peeler that he had found in the workshop. He felt much better after that. Next morning, Petson tried his foot again. It still hurt, but not as much. It's on the mend, he said, but I can't manage a Christmas tree today. What? 
shrieked Fendus. No Christmas tree? There won't be any Christmas left now! We'll see, maybe later, Petson suggested, although he didn't really believe it himself. He cooked porridge for breakfast. He didn't know how to cheer Fendus up. You could tell the cat was upset and disappointed because he was stuffing carrots into the Christmas tree stand. They ate without a word. They didn't even have milk for their porridge. Then there was a knock on the door, and Axel peeked into the kitchen. Axel was Farmer Gustavsson's son. He often helped Petson with clearing snow and other heavy jobs. Merry Christmas, he said. I was going to shovel snow, but you've already done it. Then he saw Petson's bandaged foot. A parcel already? Yes, we start early here, Petson said, and he explained what had happened. You could be stuck all Christmas, Axel said. Is there anything you need? Do you have enough food and firewood? I'm sure we'll manage, Petson mumbled. But Findus could bear it no longer. Jumping up and down like the lid of a boiling saucepan, he fumed... We won't manage at all! We've got no food, just carrots, and no gingerbread, and no lutefisk, and no Christmas tree, and we're nearly out of oil, and we, and we probably won't get any Christmas presents either! There, there, calm down, Petson hushed. We'll be all right. Although, a drop of milk would be nice, so we can make rice pudding at least. And some firewood, if it's not too much trouble. Axel fetched lots of wood. Then he left, promising to come back soon with the milk. But Findus was still upset. Gloomy as a thundercloud, he sat in the corner and tugged the carrots out of the Christmas tree stand. He tried to screw in a log instead. That's how to make a Christmas tree, Petson said suddenly. The cat looked at him curiously. Can you make Christmas trees? He asked. Oh, yes, Petson told Findus what to do. The cat ran out and fetched the fir branches they had cut earlier. Then he ran to the workshop and got a big stick and a drill. Petson drilled holes all over the stick. Then he attached it to the stand, and they carried it all into the best room, where the Christmas tree normally stood. They stuck the branches into the holes they had made. When it was done, it almost looked like a real tree. Now for the decorations, Petson said. I wonder, are they in a box under the bed? You can wonder all you like, said Fendus. But that box is in the attic. The attic. But I can't get up there with his foot, Petson protested, and you can't open the door. Makes no difference to the box, said Fendus. It's up there and that's that. Yes, well, let's think of something else then. See if you can find anything nice in the workshop, anything glittery or red. I'll look in the house. Right you are, Long John Foot, said the cat and scampered off. Petson hobbled around looking in drawers and cupboards. He found some spoons and whisks, a watch, a thermometer, a porcelain cow, a little tin monkey, and some other trinkets. Bendis came back with wood shavings, a bicycle lamp, a brush with old red paint on it, a spring, and some other bits and bobs that he thought would look nice on a Christmas tree. Then Petson sat and tied red yarn to everything and made Christmas tree ornaments out of brightly colored magazines and wound wire around candle ends. When each new decoration was ready, Findus hung it up in the tree. Then with a knock on the door, Axel was back with the milk, and with him was Gustafsson's wife, Elsa, carrying a big basket. Merry Christmas, Petson, said Elsa. Axel said you didn't have any food, so we brought some. How's your foot? Getting better, I think. Oh, you shouldn't have. You really are too kind, Petson fussed. 
but he took the basket all the same. Come in for coffee. Don't go and take Christmas away with you, he said. But I've nothing to serve with it. Why, it's all here. Look, said Elsa. And from the basket she took ham, brawn, red cabbage, meatballs, Christmas bread, ham broth, Christmas punch, gingerbread, and pastries. Hetson was overcome by the sight of all this food. Oh, but you shouldn't have. And bread and broth for dipping. It's too much. You're too kind. Not the dog, Elsa said. I'll put the coffee on. You can fix the gingerbread. After a while, Farmer Gustafsson came by as well. He said he wanted to borrow a blowtorch, but really he was curious to see Petson's foot. So he sat down with a cup of coffee, and Petson had to explain all over again how he'd hit the stone wall. Just as they were about to leave, they saw old Mrs. Anderson waddling over the yard. She, too, had a basket with her. "'Merry Christmas, Petson,' she said as she stamped off snow in the hall. "'Elsa said that you broke your leg and were out of food.' So I thought I'd drop round with a little lutefisk and sausage. Petson fussed, and he thanked her and offered her a seat. Mrs. Anderson's Christmas sausages are delicious. Now I wish I'd hurt my foot as well, Elsa said. So the Gustavsons stayed to sample the sausages. Soon it was time for bread and broth. As they were dunking away, more neighbors, the Lindgrens, arrived, and the kitchen was filled with Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! and talk and laughter. The Lindgrens wanted to see how Petson's leg was, and, well, they brought a little food because Mrs. Anderson had told them the news. And Petson thanked them and bobbed and bowed and made more coffee and offered around Anna's biscuits. Then the Janssens came and the Nilsen children, and everyone had a basket with them because they'd all heard how Petson had broken his leg and was marooned in his little cottage, freezing and starving. Not since his 60th birthday had Petson had so many people and voices in his kitchen. That was a while ago. Bendis thought the grown-ups talked too much and didn't play enough. He had to do his very best tricks just to get them to look his way for a moment. So, when the children arrived, he took charge straight away and showed them the tree. Bendis had put all the Christmas tree decorations at the bottom because he couldn't reach any higher, so the children helped to move them higher. "'Come and see the tree,' they called." Findus and Petson made it themselves. Everyone crowded in, saying, Ooh, how lovely. So that's how you make a Christmas tree. You're such a clever cat, Findus. And Petson and Findus agreed. Then the Gustavsons went home, and the others went too. Petson watched them through the window and heard their voices fade into the snowflakes. It was very, very quiet when everyone had left. After a while, it felt like normal again. Only better. When it got dark, they lit the candles that the children had made and loaded the table with all the food they'd been given. It was a Christmas feast to remember. Then they went into the best room and lit the tree and gave each other his Christmas present. Bendis got a yo-yo, and Petson got the tea towel package with the potato peeler. They listened to Christmas carols on the radio and watched the fire in the stove while the candles burned down. And Petson was happy. Oh, Fendus, what a Christmas Eve it's been. First making a Christmas tree and decorating it with teaspoons, and then visitors and all that good food. To think we have such kind neighbors. Fendus didn't answer. He was asleep. <laughs>
But he was happy too, for sure. He was smiling in his sleep. Bendis at Christmas by Sven Nordqvist Well, happy Christmas Eve to everyone, and Merry, Merry Christmas to you all. And again, a special dedication to the U.S. ski team, both Alpine and Nordic, and Team Skyzy and Boswell. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas! Hold up! What was that? Boring! No flavor! That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh! Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.